I am beginning a series of lessons entitled In the Last Days. I knew that I would do this by the leading of the Holy Spirit last year. And then the Holy Spirit prompted me after Easter to begin a series of sermons entitled In the Last Days. In this series of sermons, I'm going to talk to you about signs and behaviors of the last days. And I'm going to talk to you about more specific themes that are very real in the news and in our world. Perhaps next Sunday I'll talk to you about the Israel connection and why Israel is the center of world attention as it pertains to the coming of the Lord. Then beyond that, I'll talk to you about why oil, petroleum, crude oil, is vital to one of the signs of the coming of the Lord. I don't think you'd want to miss that because of its relevance. I want to talk to you also about Islamic terrorism and about why that is such uh, a visible sign as it relates to the coming of the Lord. I want to talk to you about is America in prophecy? What role does America play in prophecy? I want to speak one Sunday on when one man rules the world. He won't come in known as the Antichrist or the man of sin. He'll come in in a more palatable platform, something more soothing and charismatic, but he will be the man of sin. I want to talk to you about the new axis of evil, about arming for Armageddon, and then the final message of this series will be the return of the king. So here we are in verse number one of 2 Timothy 3. Follow in your scripture or perhaps on the screen, and I will read out loud. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Verse 7, it won't be on the screen, I wish I'd put it on there but I neglected to do so, but it's in your Bible. Always, people like these always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But you and I can come to the knowledge of the truth because it is here before us. Now, I want this to be as meaningful to you as I want it to be to me as the presenter of the word. So I want you to stretch your hands in my direction and would you bless me by your prayer? Ask God to help me with my voice and my strength and, and anointing and I'll ask him to bless you in the way that means more to you. Go ahead. Thank you for those prayers. Lord, I feel mercy and grace falling like rain. God, I know people have things to do and places to go, but right now we are in your house, not by accident. We may have been made to come, but I believe you have a plan even there. And Lord, I just ask you today in Jesus' name to refresh me and the church. Lord, this is the bread of life, the word of God. May, we, may I break it carefully and may I disperse it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. May you separate me, please separate me from personal agendas and prejudices that are not belonging to this pulpit or this word. And let me stay with the word. Lord, help me not to deny saying what needs to be said. And at the same time, God, help me not to say things that, that doesn't need to be said. But for all of us, oh God, I pray that the angels of God would just minister to us and the Holy Spirit would abide in us 
and nothing will steal the word from our hearts. God, these are critical days and times, and we come to you so that we can learn and grow and change our world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, and thank you for being seated. There's so much here in biblical prophecy, and I certainly am not an expert in this, but I want to use this reference of 1 Timothy 3 for a place to launch this series of lessons. And I'm going to do my best to learn and grow with you and always discern the Word of God. There's so many teachers and prophets and preachers and pastors like myself, and all of us have opinions and ideas of what we think the Bible says. But you know, if you go back to keep going back to the Bible and you're and a diligent student, it'll speak for itself too. Amen? So I want to talk about signs and behaviors this morning in the last days, and I want to move right in and begin with sign number one. The Bible says that scoffers are a sign of the last days. You read in our text that Paul talks about the last days, and then Peter does the same thing in his writings in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, and you'll follow with me as I read it from the screen, or perhaps from your scripture you can follow. He says this about scoffers, knowing this first, that scoffers, that means people who mock and make fun of and ridicule, scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Meaning the coming back of Jesus like he promised. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You know, when Jesus ascended to heaven after the resurrection, resurrection we celebrated last Sunday, he reminded prior to his ascension, his disciples, that the story is not finished with his life and ministry and his kingdom by his disappearance in the clouds. Because in the course of teaching them, not necessarily the day he ascended, but in the course of teaching them, he said in John 14 and 1, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm preparing a place for everybody born again. And I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Well, obviously, the disciples want to know when you're coming back. How long are you going to be gone? And he says, look, I'm not telling you when I'm coming back. I just want you to live every day of your life as if I'm coming back that day. But spread the news. Because God knows human nature and he knows if he told us the exact hour we'd be coming back. It's just like when we were children, if our parents told us the exact hour they were coming back home from being out in the evening, we'd misbehave until the last hour. Then we wash our faces, wash our hands, clean up all the mess and say, oh, we've just been sitting here doing our homework. And so the Lord says, I I'm not going to tell you that because I know human nature. So the disciples, they thought that Jesus was coming back while they would be alive. They did not church. They, they believed in his imminent return like we do today. And they preached after the day of Pentecost and they preached and proclaimed the gospel. The Lord is coming back. Get ready. Get ready. And they started getting older, these disciples, and they passed the message on to other converts and other preachers. And the disciples started dying off 30 years, 40 years, and thereabouts after Jesus ascended and didn't come back. And, and folks started saying, well, why hasn't Jesus come back? I thought he'd come back while we were alive. 
And, and, and through the years, and, and now it's been 2009 years, through the centuries, the message about His coming has been preached and, and uh, people have been expecting the coming of the Lord to take place in their generation or, or their lifespan. And it hasn't happened. So, so they've died in the faith believing, but all along that time, people have risen up as they do today in 2009 and saying, you know what? There's nothing to the second coming of Jesus. Because the fathers have fell asleep. Meaning, in this verse, it means the apostles, the fathers of our faith, the founders of our faith. The fathers who taught us about the rapture, the coming of the Lord. All of us have fathers and mothers in the faith. Perhaps it's your biological parents who taught you about the coming of the Lord. Can I get an amen? And perhaps they're going on to be with the Lord. My mother's gone on, my father's still alive and preaching the gospel. And uh, so what, what I'm saying is I have had mentors and people whom I listened to and read after who are more articulate than I am, more knowledgeable about the coming of the Lord, more skilled in the word of the Lord than I am, who have said, be ready, be ready, the coming of the Lord, it could come at any time, and he hasn't come, and we have buried them, or we have seen them, uh, you know, go on to be with the Lord, so to speak, and, and what has happened, he hasn't come, and it's caused people to say, the fathers have fallen asleep, the people who taught us about the coming, and all things continue as they are, and therefore the Lord is not coming again. And the Bible says that as sure as that kind of nonsense increases, mocking the word of God and the coming of the Lord, it's a sure indication that his coming is near. Because here, here's what I found out. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was given prophetic revelations by God regarding the time of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, even though Daniel lived centuries prior to Jesus even being born. Because God was speaking about this way back from the time after Adam and Eve sinned that we would need a savior and one who would redeem us eternally. And so what happened is, Daniel says, being told by the angel, shut up the words, meaning close the books that I've given you, seal the book of prophecy until the end of time. And as the time of the coming Lord approaches, many shall go to and fro, and knowledge shall be on the increase. And, and, and Daniel was given a couple signs here in this passage about the last days. He says, many shall go to and fro, meaning that the transportation is going to increase. Knowledge, technology is going to increase. And because of the increase of knowledge, wow, we, we, we will travel all over the world to and fro. We like our independence in America, don't we? I mean, people, they fly all over the world, fly all over our country. We, we also, while they're telling us that there's coming in America the possibility of these bullet trains, that run about 120 miles an hour. You know, we in America, Europe is, is very popular with some of that and all because they hadn't been spoiled like we Americans. We like our independence. Go ahead and give us bullet trains, but don't take away our own automobiles because we like running to and fro. And then knowledge is on the increase. And you all know that libraries have enlarged and, and now we have internet libraries and we got people with all kinds of degrees and all that's good and proper. But when knowledge gets on the increase so much so until we think that because of our knowledge we know more than God and Jesus is not coming back again, that's where knowledge messes up. Somebody say amen. We got all this figured out, the world says, and we got it figured out and Jesus is never coming back and the Bible's not real and it was written by some people who had uh, some delusions of seeing Christ and, and so they're Scoffers and mockers who mock the Bible, mock you going to church, mock you believing in the rapture, mock you living a disciplined life because they say to us, the world will say to us, there's nothing real about Christ and God. I, I saw this and I asked Anne to pull it up for me. At Newsweek magazine, just on the eve of Easter, put on their front cover. The front cover, the sign of a cross, and I'm showing it to you. I apologize for not having it on the screen, but I didn't think about it until early this morning here at church. And it's in the shape of a cross and the front cover says... The decline and fall of Christian America. And, and what is happening is, is that we are being told by the secular world that we are not important anymore. 
Well, let me say this to you, okay? They're scoffers and mockers. I know that Christianity is declining in America. I know atheism is taking a stronghold, and the New Age movement's taking a stronghold. And I know there are different gospels in America, but I want to say this to you. Christianity may decline in America, but God will find another spot in the world where there are hungry hearts, like China, and like India, and other parts of the world where there's a harvest and hungry hearts for people who want to know the truth, and who know their government cannot spare help them, and armies cannot help them. It's only the peace and the power of the cross and the person of Jesus Christ that can give us what we need. And so I won't tell you, I'm not a fearful of Christianity declining in America, but I know it's being scoffed at what we believe. And, and so when I think about that, I'm saying, God, how are you going to judge those who are doing this to the church? And look what the Bible says in Psalms, Psalm 37, 1 and 2. Do not fret because of evildoers. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Don't you sometimes want them to get theirs for, de for denying the cross? But God says, that ain't your business. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. If you know believers who are scoffing the Bible and scoffing the cross and disavowing the word of God, you share it with them. But if they won't take it, dust the dust off the sole of your shoes. Shake off the dust off your hand and leave them alone. Have nothing to do with those who know the truth and won't take it. But for those who don't know the truth, you have a responsibility to tell them, Jesus Christ is coming again and I want you to be ready. Here's another sign and behavior of the coming of the Lord, the last days. Doctrines of devils, which should have been interpreted doctrines of demons. Doctrines of devils are a sign of the last days. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Scripture says, Now the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, meaning the last days, the days we're living in before the coming of the Lord, some will depart from the faith. Have they, church? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, let me say this to you, okay? Because I have a responsibility here first to the Lord and His Word, okay? And while I want to be well-liked and not misunderstood, that's part of the problem of Christianity in America. Too many pastors are preaching generic when they ought to be preaching specific. Okay? Now, I don't want to make you mad, but if I make you mad enough for you to go and read your Bible and get it right from the Word, then I'll, I'll risk it. I, I made me a little note in my outline studying for this sermon. I made me a personal note that I wasn't going to tell you about, but it was a note for me to check myself. But I'm going to tell you about it. The note says, try not to mention names here. And I tried in the first service. I tried in the second service. But I'm, I'm going to say this to you. I am going to be specific here about doctrines of devils. There's a preacher out in California who has a mega large ministry. That for some time I was with him. And there's teaching and preaching and doctrine. But for the last year, I, I really don't know where he stands. And he's waffling so much, I'm not with him. This preacher... Uh, written a lot of books with the word purpose in it. This preacher prayed at the inauguration of the president. His initial is, initials are R.W. Okay? Okay? I'm all about praying at the inauguration. I think you ought to pray at more government stuff than you're praying now. Okay? But lately, he has waffled on the issue of same-sex marriage in violation to scriptural accuracy. 
Lately, he has waffled on other issues for the cause of political correctness and as a result introduces doctrines of demons. There's a preacher out in Texas. He has the largest church in America. His church operates and worships in sort of like a stadium. His initial is J. And he is wonderfully handsome. He's got more hair on half his head than I have on all of my head. And he is charismatic. And he looks good. And I'm telling you, he just, he just soothes and strokes. But he never confronts sin. I got some of his books. I look at him. I want to learn to communicate. I think he's a great communicator. But on Larry King and Anderson Cooper and Good Morning America, he never confronts sin and if you don't confront sin you leave it all wide open for people's interpretation who are sinners there's a preacher who is a, a person who about a year ago revealed that there is no hell and there is no sin and this preacher before this revelation so to speak had wonderful books and teachings I admired his work I read some of it his initial is CP and he's been on national TV and he says that there's no hell and there's no judgment and there's no fire thus meaning that Jesus died in vain that God sent his son to Calvary to bleed and die in vain because if there's no hell there's no sin and nobody everybody is going to heaven no matter what and, and there's another preacher who died about a month ago or less who pastored in Atlanta Georgia his initial is EP and he passed away but during his years of ministry I followed him he used to be a church of God preacher until he lost his license because of sexual indiscretions with the church of God he went and started his own church and come to find out he had a mega church but he was still involved in sexual indiscretions he taught his church and other churches picked up on it what is known as kingdom now he said there will be no rapture before the thousand years of peace Jesus will not come back before the thousand years of peace because we're gonna preach the gospel and the world's gonna get better and because we are intellectuals and more civilized people and advanced we're gonna usher in a thousand years of peace and Jesus will not come in the form of the rapture that is not in this Bible listen to me let me tell you something church I want you to understand okay if we were going to usher in peace we have had 2009 years since Jesus was crucified buried and rose again okay but if you count even beyond that human civilization goes thousands we are even told the possibility of human civilization since the garden could have been millions of years old but the world has waxed worse and worse iniquity abounds and men have become lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God men are more blatant and women are more blatant in their sin as if they don't care about a judgment and don't act like there's one the point I'm saying is there are doctrines of demons so in case you think I'm on a rant because I got a special soapbox let me give you the Word of God 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 follow me as I read it out loud but there were also false prophets among the people meaning before Christ even as there will be false teachers among you meaning when Christ came and after he left who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift, what? Destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Now, somebody's probably thinking, you are just jealous. You ain't got no mega church, mega TV program, and you ain't written no mega book. 
Let, let me tell you something. I got a whole lot larger church than I ever thought I probably would have. And I got a dream and vision for more. But I'm, let me tell you something. Here's the point. Whether I had two people here or 200 or like last Sunday over 1,400, I am obliged to tell you the truth. Okay? Not doctrines of devils. And so, lest you think, well, well, you know, when you get on a high visibility and all, then you'll understand. No, 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 no. I, we got to have buildings. And thank God for the TV and TV ministries. But God didn't call me to be some suave, debonair, intellectual Bible preacher guy. And, and because I want to draw a crowd to Alan Matura that I do not preach the truth, God has told me to rightly divide the word whether you like it or not, or I like it or not, we are answerable to God. So, I told you, doctrines of devils. I told you about Rick Warren, Joel Osteen, Carlton Pearson, and old Paul. Oh. See, I couldn't control it. My note is... And I tell you that and call their name because they don't mind being public about what they teach. I don't mind being public about who they are. Okay? In the last days, selfishness will be a sign of the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men and meaning women also, and young people, and children, because of the human nature, will be lovers of themselves. You ever lived in a culture where it's more about me, myself, and I than any time else? Man, we got to have extreme makeover this and extreme makeover that because I got to have the best clothes and the best appearance and the best this and best that and best car and best house and best. And no matter if I can't afford it, you know, no matter if I can't afford it, I'll buy it now and pay for it later. And there's got to come a time. I'm not against you having nice clothes and nice car and nice house. But when that becomes an idol in your life, when you're more concerned about your image and your idol and me, myself and I, than God getting glory from your life, then something is wrong. And it's time that we have to say, God, I repent of my greed because my need is you. A culture, a culture is a greedy culture. We are in a trouble uh, as America, as a nation, because we've had men and women in high positions of executive leadership and business like AIG and Citigroup and City Financial and, you know, Fannie Mae and all these other, other organizations who just don't know how to say enough is enough, okay? We got people like Bernie Madoff who made off with $65 billion. Huh? Am I preaching? Yeah. There's a man who couldn't. There are people who entrusted their life savings to this man. There are people, there are charitable organizations, there are athletes, people of all kinds of groups who invested money in Bertie Madoff's Ponzi scheme and he was making off with multiple billions of dollars and the only reason he stopped is because he was caught because we have a culture that just don't know what to say. Enough is enough. Somebody say amen here. Now listen to me, I'm not against you having nice stuff, but if you can't buy it, wait until you can. If you can't pay cash, according to Dave Ramsey, if you can't pay cash, wait until you do. If you live like nobody else now, you live like nobody else later. I'm preaching the hallelujah. Amen, church. I'm not against you having stuff, but oh my, we charge things and we blow up our credit cards and we borrow money here and there. And the next thing you know, three months later, sit in some yard sale somewhere because it's lost its attraction to you. There's got to come a place in time where I have a roof over my head until I can do better. Thank you, Lord. 
I got food on my table. Until I need more, I'll thank you, Lord. I got some clothes to keep me warm when I need it, and I'll thank you, Lord. I got a car. It may not be a 19 or 2009, but it drives down the road. Until you get me another one, I'll drive this one. Somebody praise Jesus. Selfishness. Because here's the whole bottom line. We are blessed to be a blessing. God didn't call us all to set up our own empires. You heard me say it before and I'll say it again. I've never done a funeral where a U-Haul was hitched up to the back of the hearse. Ain't nobody taking nothing with them. I have been to funerals though where the, the sons and the daughters and the leftover people were fighting like crazy for what their daddy saved up or mama saved up all their life. And that's when the spirit of slap gets on me. But no, 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 no. The man ain't, his body ain't even cold yet. Your mama's body ain't even cold in the grave. Here you're fighting about who's going to get the lamp. <laughs> I'll show you. Excuse <laughs> me. Selfishness. Somebody, and I included, I especially, I got to slow down and say, God, whatever you feel like you can trust me with, be like Solomon. Don't give me so much that I forget where I got it from and who gave it to me. Give me just enough to know where my source is and where I can get more when you can trust me with more. Somebody say amen. And I'm not against you being blessed, but I am against making idols out of things. Let, let, let me move you. Here's another thought, please. Lawlessness is a sign of the last days. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Now, brethren, meaning those who are believers in Christ, men and women, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, here's what's going to happen. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. The only reason sin and wickedness hasn't gotten larger and more rapidly uh, violent is because we still have the Holy Spirit in this world. We still have Christians in this world whom God's blessing the sinners because of the Christians. I don't mean blessing them, prospering them in sin. I mean just giving them a break because Christians are praying. That spirit's going to leave the world one day. You hear me? How many know when you were growing up, you were blessed because of your mother and father's righteousness, not because of yours? <laughs> and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand here. But how many of you got some kids who are getting blessed because of you and they ain't living right? You know, you're, you know I'm going to ask you to tell me, oh, Jesus, there's another place I want to call names. But... I am showing you, church, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the Bible says that in the last days, iniquity, meaning sin, will abound. And Jesus himself said, when iniquity abounds, the love of many shall grow cold. Isn't, hasn't that happened? Lawlessness. You, you can look at your own television newscast, the, the whatever cable or otherwise network that you get your news from and you can find what I discovered that it seemed like in America and violent crime in America and other parts of the world but America is where we live that the next criminal is trying to outdo the previous criminal in the degree of damage or violence since Columbine when several stu many students were killed by other students who took their own lives it seemed like when there's violence now at school or other settings, people want to be remembered even though they're going to take their own life as if they killed more than Columbine. Or the Virginia, what is the school? Virginia Tech. Yeah. You know, or, do, you, do you, have, you see now what, what and of course, uh, Will Williford is a captain in the police department and he knows of which I speak and, and others of you in law enforcement. 
It, it would appear that the criminals are getting younger and younger. It would appear that the, the violence is getting more intense. Hey, oh my, help me, Jesus. Lawlessness. It, it would appear that you and I see it on the news. People who go to rob banks or convenience stores or invade people's homes. They, they don't even wear a mask anymore. They don't even wear any disguise. It's like blatant. Catch me if you can, and I'll keep doing this until you catch me if you can. Am I telling you the truth, church? And I'm saying that lawlessness abounds. I, I am not here to be the judge and jury on some stuff that is still out there. I just, my heart breaks when an eight-year-old child is found in a suitcase, dead, murdered. My heart breaks when a child down in Florida is fun, found months or so that remains after and the images that we get of the parenting skills cannot be called skills. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is a wicked and evil age. And I'm not trying to scare the life out of you. I'm just telling you that when you see these things taking the place, know that the coming of the Lord is near. But let me also say this to you. I'm not telling you this because you and I Christians have got to go hide in some hole someplace because the world's getting terrible and, oh God, I'm next. That's not what I'm preaching. If you are a child of God, you are covered by the blood of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. That's your protection. Now, let me tell you this. I got mixed opinions, mixed feelings about guns, Okay. So I know this American culture. I don't dare tread on some places. Okay? Yeah, I don't know whether when you all say that, whether you're for me or against me. But let me keep going. Uh, ah, it does appear to me, while guns are, can be very dangerous in the wrong hands, that the criminals are outgunning the good people. With, the, you know, sophisticated weapons. Now, here's my word to you. If you got a gun, just know how to use it. Please, and take it out, keep it out of the reach of children and others. Know how to use that gun, please. You know, because I might drop in and give you a surprise pastoral visit, and you don't know how to use that gun. You cock it over in my direction thinking I'm some kind of burglar, and it'll be good by a pastor. But if you know how to use a weapon, be wise and protect yourself. I have a gun in our house. I don't know how to use it. It's a bolt-action gun that was given to me by my father-in-law years ago. Because it's kind of a family heirloom. And he passed it on to me. Me who know nothing about guns. But I guess he wanted me to have something. I don't have a bullet for the gun. And if I had a bullet, I wouldn't know how to use it. So my best use of my gun, if somebody shows up at my house that doesn't belong there, is to take that gun and by the bunt of it and beat the tar of that criminal. I'll get bam, 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 bam. Then I say, here, Valerie, he's yours. If you got money and you can buy an alarm system at your house, a security system monitored, you can do that. That's a good investment. You know, I, I, I'm saying lock your windows and doors. All right? But if you ain't got money to buy an alarm system, and I'm not telling you get a gun, uh, that's entirely up. I am saying is, the Bible says about the child of God regarding lawlessness, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Say amen. The Bible says what the devil means for evil for the child of God. God will turn around and make it good. 
the, the Bible tells us in Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my strength. The Bible says he shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings I shall be safe. The Bible says it in the word of God, he is my refuge and my strength, my fortress and my high tower. So I will not be afraid what men can do unto me. The Lord is my protector. Somebody give a Lord thanks. Yes. So don't get all paranoid. Go buy you some camel and paint your face purple hiding out in some kind. Just trust God. Leave the law enforcement to the law enforcement. That's why I know Will Williford. He's going to be a friend for life. Because if I keep preaching like this, I'm going to need more than one Will Williford. Now here's something else that may calm the response, but it's true. Disorderly children is a sign of the last days. The Bible said that. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you what, boy. I gotta, here's another place I'd like to name some names. But, let, 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 let me put it to you like this. Help us, Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, God has shown his disdain for parents who knew better and did not raise their children right. God repeatedly warned Eli, the high priest of Israel, whose two sons were to follow in his anointing, but his two sons committed fornication with worshipers, defiled the holy things, and act like their father's rebuke of them was an old-fashioned, old fogey parent. And God killed both of the sons of Eli's whose names were Hophni and Phinehas and killed Eli also. There are other accounts. I'm not, saying, I'm not asking God to kill anybody's children. I, what, my point is this. God is serious about the home and order in the family. Okay? And I'm saying to you this, I'm saying to you that in America, we got young people now and children now who thinks their parents owes them everything, who, who think uh, that I got my parent owes me a cell phone and pay for it, owe me a credit card and pay for it, owe me a car and pay for it, owe me tennis shoes that cost 200 bucks and they pay for it. Oh, and then I will stay out when I want to and hang out when I want to and do what I want to. And that is not so much the child's fault as it is the parent's fault. You know what television show makes me mad and I can't look at it? I honestly can't look at it. My wife likes to look at it. It's called Super Nanny. I cannot stand Super Nanny. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't think there ought to be a Super Nanny. I think they're just some common sense stuff that adults should already know in raising children. But my wife is an educator. And she's the principal of an elementary school, as most of you know. We have educators here in this service. Every service we have. We have school uh, teachers, and we have school coaches, and we have police officers who work in the school system, and we have people who are involved in the school system. Let me, let me tell you what I found out, okay? I'm talking about parents and children and raising children and disobedience. If our teachers in America and our principals in America would not have to deal with disobedient students because their parents at home would take care of them 
our scores, SAT scores, and our CRCT scores, and academic scores for our students in America would be far higher because teachers and administrators could spend more time in academic excellence than having to do discipline, discipline, discipline. Officer Eddie Kirk, who was in the first service because he's uh, the officer at one of the high schools in the county, said, Pastor, and he came to me at the end of the service and he said, you, you, you wouldn't believe, and he knew that I would, but he was just using it as a figure of speech, how many children I am called in to put the fear of the law in them or even to arrest children. Anybody hearing me here? Yeah. This thing is so turned around in America until we got children threatening their kids to call defects if their kids would have raised their, the adult raise their hand and, make, uh, and correct them in discipline. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not a proponent of child abuse. I am not a proponent of, of damaging and I know many children have been, oh God, may God have mercy on those who had charge of them and abused them. But I want to tell you this, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, he that spared his rod hated his son, but he that loveth him chastens him as necessary, often. Somebody hear me. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I mean, know what I'm talking about. You were a child once. Yeah. Huh? But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. I tell you what we need a little bit more of America in our schools and our homes. We need the board of education applied to the seat of understanding a few more times. Yeah. And I'm, that's why I'm, if this Super Nanny, you know how to end Super Nanny show? I'll tell you how CBS or whatever network carry that show, how to end it tonight. Here's what they should do. When Super Nanny shows up at the house, she should get the mom and daddy and sit them on the couch and the kids on the opposite couch. And then she should beat the tar out of the mom and daddy. She should take a rod and public television and beat the tar out of mom and dad and say to the kids, if y'all don't behave, y'all are next. I know I'm enjoying this too, but I'm also being real. Yeah. You listen to me. Let me help you here, okay? Children should be told and modeled. Their parents should tell them and model it to say to their children at an early age, this is your mother and you will call her, yes ma'am. This is your daddy and you will call him, yes sir. This is your grandma. This is your grandpa. You'll call it whatever favorite name, but you'll respect them, okay? You know, some of you who are raising children, you think that you just dump your kids on their grandparents all the time because your, your parents are so wild about your kids. That ain't always so. Because sometimes your kids, because of Nana or Mima or Papa or whatever else you'll call them, you know, and I don't know what, what I'll be called. I got a poodle and she generally barks at me. So that's the only grandchild I have right now. I didn't need to, anyhow. The point of it is this. Oh, and when I go to Nana's house or Papa's house, they got candy in this jar and they got a playroom over here. I can do anything in Nana and Papa's house. I get on the couch and I jump and I get on the bed and I throw stuff around. And Nana and, Nana and Papa's, and they just, you know, they love your children. And, and they're going home. You know what Nana and Papa are thinking? We live in Atlanta now, but I wish we were living in Alaska. <laughs> Because I want to see them, but I won't see them so often. Because it, it takes about six months to get the house fixed up. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about your kids. Yeah, or somebody else's kids, you know. Listen to me, church. Train up a child in the way they should grow. And when they will old, they will not depart from it.
When they come to the house of God, teach them to respect the house of God. Yeah, teach them to be behave in the house of God. When they go to school, teach them to behave in school. When they're sitting under the authority of a coach, tell them that's the coach. Now, I, I know I know that people in charge of, of students and children can, can miss it, okay? But you know what, what, what happens in many cases in the church and in the school and in the secular world? Kids misbehave and parents nowadays, they just go ahead and take the word of the kids without listening to the words of the authority. You know, now I know the authority can be wrong and I want you to trust your kids and listen to your kids. But there's always two sides and kids, the Bible says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Okay. And so the fact of the matter is you got to discern and get both sides instead of going out and chewing out the principal or chewing out the pastor or chewing out the children's pastor or chewing off the judge or somebody else and changing here and there. And, you're, and all you're doing is enabling your kids. Make sure you get the facts. And if your kids are wrong, you discipline them according to God's word. And when you do, God will bless them not only as a child but when they get older God's going to give them good jobs and good presence and good blessings meaning presence before important people that their lives may be blessed somebody ought to say amen and I'm not mad I'm just wanting you to understand that because these are the end times and that's going to take place doesn't mean that we should just throw up our arms and say well the Bible says kids are going to misbehave so Jesus must be coming come on Jesus no till he gets here take your belt off right here okay okay not abuse I'm hurrying couple more. The gay movement around the world and in America, homosexual movement is a sign of the last days. And I'll tell you something, friends. This is some of those territories that folks won't touch in the pulpit. But I'm going to tell you something. Sin destroys. Sin kills. But this homosexual movement and the gay lifestyle has so infiltrated our culture in America and our families until because until we have the mentality in this country or some people do that because it's so uh, visible and everywhere then it must be okay wrong the Bible says as it was in the days of Lot Luke 17 and 28 as it was in the days of Lot they ate they drank and they were brought they brought their soul they were planted they built some of the same lifestyles that were taking place in the days of Lot that caused the judgment of God to come upon the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be some of the same lifestyles that will be reenacted in the days prior to the coming of the Lord. With haste, I tell you this, that Sodom and Gomorrah, the twin cities of which Lot was an inhabitant, was judged by God for all its sins, but the most pronounced of its sin was the sin of homosexuality. And I say this because I want you to understand how God feels about sin, but especially in this political correct environment of America, what God's position is and what my position is and what should be yours if you are a Bible-believing Christian. I say this with the knowledge that even in my family, my extended family, there are those who are involved in the homosexual lifestyle to my dismay but to my fervent prayer okay I'm like you or some of you we know people we even have family and I love these people who are my family don't get to see them very often some of them sometimes I see them at a wedding or other things and I embrace them and love them and have conversation with them but if we ever get on this subject, in love, I am going to defend the truth. Amen. Now, hear me when I tell you this. 
I'm telling you this because the Lord said to Abraham, I am going to destroy the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot because of their wickedness and their sinfulness has come up before me. I'm going to destroy it with fire from heaven. Abraham knew his nephew Lot was living in that city. You know, if you camp out close enough to sin, you're going to soon move in with it. That's what he did. And Abraham says, God, we're, the, the Twin Cities, we're told by those who give us biblical history and know the numbers over the years, the Twin Cities of Sodom and Gomorrah had a combined population of approximately 300,000 inhabitants. Abraham, concerned for his loved one, said, would you spare the city if you found some righteous people there? God said, because of you, Abraham, I'll do it. Some of us got blessed in our previous life before Christ because of somebody else's righteousness, not our own. I've already alluded to that. Abraham says, God, if you find 50 righteous people, among, uh, uh, will you spare the city with my nephew and his family? God said, I will. Couldn't find 50 righteous people in 300,000. God, how about 40? 40 people, 40 righteous people. Uh, okay, Abraham, because of you, I'll spare it. God, I, I, I hate to impose on you, and you've already been so good to me, and I'm just man, and you're divine. What about if you found 30? Yeah, I'll, I'll save it. 20, how about 20? Oh, God. Ten, would you save, if you could get ten saved people out of 300,000, would you spare the city? God said yes. And there couldn't be found ten righteous people. The only people that were spared was Lot, his wife, and two daughters. And his wife wasn't spared because as she was exiting the city, she was told never to look back. She looked back and turned into a pill of salt. Billy Graham, the world's renowned evangelist of whom I have tremendous respect for. Billy Graham said this in one of his sermons or writings. If God doesn't judge America and other major cities of the world and nations for the sin of homosexuality, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, God's not about to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. My, my, I say this with all, I say this, as a, and I'm going to wrap this up in a moment. Here's the sin of homosexuality that God speaks against in Romans 1, 27, 28. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, natural use of the woman meaning in marriage, sexual intimacy in marriage is a natural use of man and woman for the procreation of children. Men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. God says, and even, if, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. L listen to what this means. It means that there are those, verse 28, who know it's wrong, who know the Bible does not teach that you were born with biological uh, 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 construction or biological DNA that gives you a, a, a tendency to avoid homosexuality. The Bible doesn't teach that. Time magazine, Time magazine, I was told by a pastor friend of mine this week, has on its front page uh, in a recent uh, uh, article and coverage on its front page, biblical validity, biblical proof for homosexuality. I want to tell you something, friends. I have never gotten my theology from Time Magazine or Newsweek Magazine or CNN. What do they know about the Bible that they could tell any of us? But if they want to be politically correct and they want to deceive people, then that's what they will do. And just because the majority says it's okay doesn't mean that God has changed his mind. And I'm saying to you that there are those who know the truth. God says they know it, but they don't want to retain it in their knowledge. I know it's wrong. And God says after I warn them and warn them, just like I warned Sodom and Gomorrah, 
will repeat after I warn them and warn them. There'll come a time when I'll turn them over to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I'll turn them over to their own sins and they will reap what they sow in their own sinful lifestyle and I'll wash my hands of them. I hope that's never the case for any of us. God have mercy on America. Somebody ought to say amen. Listen, if you just tarry with me, let me tell you this. The, the, the governor of New York this week, the governor of New York introduced legislation in the state of New York for the legalization of same-sex marriage. Anybody saw that or heard that on the news? New York. You know, as California said, as California goes, so goes the rest of the world. As the left coast goes, California, so go the right coast, which is New York. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, and I want you to make it to heaven. I'm not mad at anybody. I want everybody to be saved. But these kinds of things will bring the judgment of God, not only later in the by and by, but even as we live in this world. So I pray that you will pray with me that God will give us a revival of moral purity and America beginning in the pulpit and the pews and all the way to the president's palace. Somebody praise the Lord. Okay, I have one more thought then I'm going to pick it up from here next week. Spiritual compromise is a sign of the last days. What do I mean by spiritual compromise? I mean 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires... Because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. And turn aside the fables. I saw two men being interviewed on TV this week. On one of the national cable news networks. One was a Christian man defending the institution of marriage. Meaning the institution of one man with one woman for life. And another man. Who was invited by the cable network. To debate with this fella who defends marriage, and he called himself a homosexual pastor. Look at me, look at me, look at me now, look at me. I know I'm not the most attractive thing, but I can get loud if you don't look. There's no such thing as a homosexual pastor. No such thing. No such thing. No, never has been. It's an oxymoron. It can never work. There's no such thing as an adulterating Christian or a fornicating Christian or a stealing Christian or a lying Christian. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't have two masters. But there is for political correctness and doctrines of demons purposes, people who will call themselves homosexual pastors. I run the risk as other pastors who will defend the gospel in America in our lifetime, we will run the risk of being arrested for what I just shared with you. Because they will take this book, this holy book, and call it hate literature. They will. And if I preach it or you defend it, especially we preachers who are supposed to be influencers of the culture, they will come to arrest us. I don't want to be arrested for nothing. I don't want to go to jail. Okay, so I'm not trying to be arrogant and say, come get me. But I am going to say this. I am going to preach this gospel. I am going to tell the truth. If God can rescue Paul and Silas in the middle of the night by rocking a jailhouse, he'll take care of me. If God can bring Peter out of prison by opening up the doors before there were automatic doors, he'd take care of me. So I'm not trying to be arrogant, but here's, here's something. There are people all across America in churches this morning who have itching ears. I don't mean to have ear infection. I mean, 
Tell me something nice. Tell me something good. Soothe me and stroke me. Don't tell me about sin. I know because I've been here as your shepherd for many years. I have been told by the devil. I have been... It's been implied by other people. And others have tried to say it in a discreet way. That if I would uh, compromise a little bit. If I would uh, not be so uh, specific. Uh, not so plain. If I back up a little bit. Maybe I can have some more affluent people. More educated people. Now, it's not a slam on you, okay? I'm just saying that that's what we're all, we all, I feel because we're children of God, we are the same, okay? And God doesn't look at affluence and money and education. We all are the same. It's how we use those things to promote it. But, but I have been, it's been implied to me that if I back up a little bit, I'll maybe have some more large givers. See, there's something about me, this little Indian, that I don't want to be owned by nobody but God. See, first God, I want God to own me first, and second, I want Valerie to own me. I done told my wife, if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. I guarantee you, buddy. But there's just, just something, there's just something about, something about building this church while we need about $8 million to pay off debt and $6 million more. I'm, I'm just, I'm not called of God to compromise the gospel to get large contributions. And I'm not saying that to any of these other people. I'm just saying that, that I know who I am, okay? I want people of all backgrounds. I, you see this church, you see it now? It ain't here by accident. Some of you from the Caribbean, some of you from South America, some of you from Central America, some of you North America, most of all you from North America, some of you from Asia, some of you from, some of you white, brown, yellow, black, uh, red, and after you come to church, you're blue because I done beat up on you so bad. Uh, this is God. I prayed for this. That next church that we build with the larger... It ain't because I want to get in debt and have millions of dollars tied to my name. I want to see the kingdom advance. And sometimes it means you got to do that. you got to borrow some money. Okay? But I'm, I'm not going to do it and be owned by somebody. By the first time I preach on divorce, they get mad and take all their money. And therefore, we were depending on them. And now we ain't, can't have a church. Help me out here. I'm not going to do this because the first time I preach about sin of any kind, they get offended because they're sinning. No, 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 no. I tell you what, brothers and sisters. I'm trusting God. I, I am trusting God. Everything we have, God's given. But I, I will, if you're looking for a place where the itching ears and sending all this kind of stuff, this ain't the place. But if you're looking for you and I together, when we fall to pick up each other, when we sin to forgive each other, when we, when, when we, uh, when we, when we need help to help each other, and if you're looking for a place where, where the straight and narrow is preached, the Bible says, broad is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, but, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but straight and narrow is the path, and I'm paraphrasing, that leads to eternal life. If you're willing to travel with me, I'm sure willing to travel with you, and one of these days, we are going to see the King. Give a Lord a praise. Come on, give a Lord a praise. Give the Lord some more praise. Soon and very soon, we shall see the King. Yes, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. We're going to see the King. Stand up, everybody, if you will.